Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Privateer Station, and we're bringing you day 260 of Russian invasion into Ukraine. Today, focal point is still in Kherson. Russian troops are trying to cross the river to the left bank. Advantages and disadvantages of that bank and that move, and Ukraine military forces continue shelling all the crossings and attacking the retreating enemy. Summit G20 is also in the limelight. A number of killed mobilized troops in Ukraine also starts to cause problems on the Russian internal agenda. All that and more in uh, today's show with uh, Alexei Rostovich, advisor to the office of the president of Ukraine, lieutenant colonel, and Mark Fagan, Russian opposition politician. Enjoy. Dear friends, glad to see you all on Fagan Live. It is Thursday, November 10th. Time is 3 minutes past 10 in Kiev and uh, 3 minutes past 11 in Moscow. We are doing another stream, day 260, with Alexei Rostovich. Hi, Alexei. Good evening. We have about 150,000 watching us live at the beginning. Over 60,000 of you clicked the like button. As always, I uh, request to please uh, share these links, share links to that stream on your social media and other places where you discuss this topic, and make sure those who need to see that get a chance to. Of course, subscribe to Fagin Live to Alexei Rostovich, and if you are listening or watching that in English, subscribe to the Privateer Station as well. All right, let's start with the discussion. Probably let's start with the map, what do you think? Mark, these daily walks on the map, they're a bit tiresome. We have a ton of things to talk about, though. Let's talk about Snigirevka. Snigirevka is ours. Uh, evil tongues on the Russian side are screaming, it definitely is ours. And see these changes? There is a ton of gray zone. You know why? Because Russian troops uh, fell back from the first line of defense and uh, jumped to the second line. And you told me there is nothing to see on the map. Well, yeah. So this one is further down, about 10 kilometers deeper than the first. So we also moved forward, we occupied the territories, the gray zone, the ones that were the gray zone before, and their territory shrunk. Also, there are some notes of our troops uh, entering Chernobyevka. Um, you cannot see that on this map, though, so it's curious uh, what is being discussed, but it's very close to Kherson. 
Of course, Snegrovka, we moved substantially there. Okay, so all that does it verify that they are leaving? No, it only shows that they moved from the first line of defense to the second. And they actually still in defense formation over there. So if anything, one can hypothesize you just uh, get to the better areas, uh, better defense zones and shorten supply routes. So for now, it's just a motion from the first line to the second. I'm sure they'll probably will move, but one of the things also supporting that theory is that they're blowing up the bridges. If you are staying on that side, you're not blowing up bridges. Right. We also need to dispel some of the agreements and some screams that uh, Ukraine lets Russia leave Kherson. We are not letting them. We are working, we're shooting with everything we have. One needs to understand we do not have enough long-range artillery on this theater, just like everywhere else. We still work with HIMARS and artillery and what we have, but we cannot hit every target that we see, just due to the lack of resources or sometimes distance to the target. The distance and the to, to the river and the territory they occupy still is a, big of a, is a bit of a barrier. It's only HIMARS, essentially, that can reach the troops crossing the bridge. And HIMARS has its own capacity, so we cannot uh, keep destroying everything. Yesterday, for example, we destroyed a temporary command outpost, uh, destroyed uh, a column of uh, equipment. We also destroyed another aggregation of their troops yesterday with the command post and just uh, officially they confirmed 5200s. And I did talk with uh, Yulia Latina and I tried to communicate with help of Mark and Yulia that we do not have enough means to completely seal them and not let them flee. We lacked these tools uh, back in the days of Kiev operation and we still, you know, we still lack them here now. Our allies continue supporting us with equipment, but uh, the, temp the tempo is a bit slow, so we have to be inventive. Speaking of the map, the eastern side and uh, actually Pavlovka is a bit uh, complex situation now. They brought some reserves. They who has Pavlovka now? It is mixed. We own part of the village. They are outside. See where the red arrow? They're on the outskirts of that village. So this is the one near Ugledar, right? With that green uh, protrusion sticking to the right. That's Pavlovka. So you can see on this map, southern outskirts uh, are enemies, uh, upper part of Pavlovka is ours. Marinka, no changes there. Vodinoe, no changes there as well. Novoselovka, Drugovka, Novobakhmutovka, no changes. Kordumovka, situation the same, they're trying to attack, still have no success. Bakhmut, no success on their side. They also try to push to 
Ivangorod, uh, that's a uh, small point to the south of Bakhmut. Solidar, uh, they failed so many times, they even decreased the intensity. As people reporting from the front, according to some data, they are concentrating their push again near Bakhmut because they failed to get any success on Solidar. Belogorovka, they're also trying. See that red arrow, they're trying to push, uh, not working for them. And see that green protrusion right above that. That's our access uh, to shelling the road. So that and two other protrusions are additional helps for us to control that road. Let's talk about Chernigov and Kharkov regions. Um, yeah, they continue shelling us from across the border. Overall, we still have about 1,300 kilometers of active front line, and about 800 kilometers of that are active, um, really active and hot. So, over 560 miles, if you convert that. Okay, let's go back down to Kherson. There's a lot of discussion happening. So, tell us more about the advantages of the left bank. Besides obvious geographic closeness to their other forces, is it so attractive? Is that natural barrier so difficult to cross? Speaking of Don River, what happens if they move to the left bank and? Uh, if they create some defense lines. Is the river still a serious problem? Can you not cross it? What's your options there? Well, there is nothing uncrossable. There is nothing unattainable to the modern tools, to the modern equipment. Well, Suravikin on their side was screaming that you cannot take us on the bank. It's a difficult decision for us, but we will fortify that. So, chances are we probably won't be attacking them on the left bank. Uh, it, it's a lot of losses and uh, just attacking up front. That's uh, one of the old strategies. We don't do it these days. Maybe Russian army still does. So, what will you do? As usual, we'll come in a place where they don't expect us and find a way to reach them. So, if I zoom out... On this map, for example, where do you think the next phase of this operation could concentrate? Mark, I cannot concentrate, I cannot give you advice on where is the next stage going to happen. Mark, what do you want me to do here? Even uh, if I was a quiet, shy blogger, Alexei Rostovich, I might have hypothesized, but as advisor to the office of the president, I cannot, I just don't have this right. I can confirm that, yes, will cause them grief, but I just cannot specify the area. So some people are saying that Russia will still have left bank, it'll be theirs. It gives them this legitimacy and also geography supports them. I am still puzzled where the heck do they find that geography 
consideration because I don't see that. Correct, Mark. People don't know how to think and they don't have operative preparedness. Uh, they don't know much. Maybe on the tactical level you can hypothesize, some of these bloggers do, but on the strategic you do different decisions, you, you flow it differently. Russian troops are doing tactical moves on the strategic front. They're just attacking, they're drawing the line and following. We don't do that. It's an old doctrine. We don't fight the wars like that. And they basically look at two bridges and saying, oh, Ukrainians will never cross these bridges. We'll put our troops on the other side, we'll blow the bridges up and the bank will be ours. On our side, we don't see the necessity to cross these bridges. That's not needed for us. There are a ton of other opportunities, and if they want to fortify areas near the bridges, sure, go ahead. Let them dig in and put some fortifications there and stay there. All right. Now let's switch the focal point on Putin. What did he say? It's probably a 10-second recording. We're showing it to our viewers. Is that the one where he says, dear Ukrainian partners? Yes, that one, and where he says it's a gesture of goodwill. But uh, let the viewers see that. 10 seconds is not too long. Maybe somebody had missed it. We are ready to reinstate full formal interaction with Ukrainian partners. Let's consider that to be the first step and the gesture of goodwill from our side. Yeah, partner. Some partner he is. has been fighting with this country for eight years, actively killing them in the last phase for eight months, and uh, you're his partners, apparently. And this is a gesture of goodwill for the future negotiations. Probably that's what he means uh, by that verbiage. And there is enough motion in the media around that statement. So do you think we'll talk about that uh, later, that uh, some people are screaming, you guys are negotiating on the backstage. So do you think Moscow wants to capitalize on maybe leaving the Russian bank, uh, the, sorry, the right bank of uh, Kherson area? and somehow pretend they're okay. How much did they, Mark, how much did they manage to capitalize their retreat from Chernigov and Kiev? They failed to. Exactly. So you think that's their only hope? Mark, this is only for the internal audience. Internally, they'll scream later that uh, we were so open-hearted to them and Kiev uh, is evil and they refuse to negotiate, so we'll continue hitting their infrastructure. Russian news media, uh, RIA Novosti, is stating Zelensky never closed the door for negotiations. He said that they'll talk to Russia, but to another Russia that is eager to strike peace. And also, I'm trying to bring other sources, and I'm not going to name them, but I'm quoting some Russian propagandist channels as well, because I'm trying to show what they publicize there. So, another one. The United States are waiting for signals about readiness for negotiations. Uh, 
supposedly Department of State make this statement. And another piece of news was that, again, published in Russian propagandist things, that uh, United States are waiting for Ukraine to initiate negotiations. They're also quoting Jack Sullivan saying that withdrawal from some regions does not mean the end of the war. They're also quoting Sullivan saying that he sees some possible developments that may lead to peace. By the way, do they quote also do they also quote his statement that he's refusing to meet with Lavrov or anybody from Russian delegation? He is planning to meet with uh, Chinese representatives with Xi Jinping, but not with Russian delegation. I think it is pretty clear with Russian representatives now. I think they gave all the signals indeed. They said, uh, we are okay if you negotiate with Ukraine, but here are the conditions and terms. And Moscow is trying to not do that, you think? Yeah, Moscow is trying to move back two millimeters instead of withdrawing completely from territory of Ukraine and claim that they have done, they fulfilled the preconditions. But I'll open you another mystery, so to say. We are shooting up the bridges and we're shooting at the columns actively. Uh, our strategic task is to not let Russian troops retreat. We don't need retreated Russian troops. We need dead Russian troops. If you want to leave Ukraine, swim. I suggest you swim across the river because that'll be the safest way for you. We do not want these invaders to regroup in some other place. So you think position of the United States will not change? Why would it? Why should it? Some of these statements that uh, are flying out in the media they're also for internal agenda, because uh, there is also 25% at least on the left who are very, very far left, like uh, followers of uh, Bernie, and uh, Bernie is the person who actually said Gulag was a pretty good thing. So, And also on the red side, they also got some of the extreme isolationists. And of course, media can point to those ultra-left and ultra-right groups and say America is for negotiations. And that's how they play it. And they point finger at them and say administration is supportive, uh, parties are supportive, and let's wait for Putin to do something. And then Putin basically still does nothing. He walks a little bit back and says, I think I ha I'm, I'm good, let's talk. In the meantime, United States and Europe continue supporting us with more equipment. We'll actually talk about equipment separately. There are a lot of interesting statements there. I want to tell our dear viewers that don't fret when you hear about negotiations. 90% of these statements are targeting internal audience of both countries. The character of this war suggests that its destiny, its outcome, will be decided on the battlefront. Everything else, all that fluff, is to target elections, is to target some political agendas. Every time you hear the word negotiations, please don't take it seriously. 
And to confirm, Biden, Xi Jinping and G20 will discuss Taiwan, Ukraine and North Korea. They're not planning to make a joint statement. So it does appear that they will be talking about the hot areas and probably I don't think they'll reach much agreement on Taiwan, but they probably can come to some agreement about Ukraine because Ukraine is not in general proximity to China. Perhaps they can strike a, an agreement that uh, we can compete on other fronts, but let's let's support Ukraine. And Biden actually has some levers to talk to China because we tracked that uh, some of the equipment supplied to Russia does flow through China. China, Kyrgyzia, Kazakhstan. And very often, what are those components? Well, it, it actually different European and American companies who are trying to circumvent the restrictions and it's some pieces of electronics, some pieces of targeting, some systems, some software and hardware combinations. So it's a sophisticated issue and it needs addressing. All right. Then let's talk about the equipment, armor and weapons being transferred to Ukraine. New package includes four Avenger systems, air defense, 400 armored vehicles, and also grenade self-propelled grenades, grenade launchers. So, there was also discussion, I think Biden mentioned that, uh, or one of his speakers, that they're not giving uh, the long-range uh, shells for HIMARS, not 600 ones, 600 miles, but the ones that are flying 160. But uh, frankly, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. 160 miles, that's almost 200 miles. So, frankly, this is a big advancement because it's a, it's tripling our reaching range. How do you mean triple? Well, in kilometers, it's 220 kilometers. Right now, we have ones that fly at 70 kilometers, so it's tripling the distance. They have different kinds of shells for HIMARS, and, but 160 miles, that's tripling the distance. And uh, yeah, we got a little confused here with conversion between miles and kilometers. There are also nautical miles if you want to complicate that. But from our front line to the bridges that we're attacking, we it's only 80 kilometers. It's easy. All crossings are doomed. And if it's 220, we already reached the top of Crimea. So we can even reach some supply routes and we can reach the Crimean targets. So we're talking about the rail supply from Crimea to the left bank. If we're talking about 
the other part? Well, we only can reach some, some targets with HIMARS, but if uh, their territory will be shrinking, we'll be able to reach deep and wide. If it's indeed the ones that are 220 kilometers range, let me verify and then I'll believe that. That sounds rather sensational. Uh, actually, it's more sensational than any conversation about negotiations. Well, President of the United States said that. He, could, he probably would not walk it back, right? Yeah, I think it's the main sensation, but I just... Uh, I've seen it, I haven't believed it. I think maybe he misspoke or something, but let's see. I don't know if that was made on purpose to make Putin more agreeable. That's a good instrument and a good case, but this is a very serious factor. If indeed we are getting these shells, this does change the situation in our favor very notably, very notably. So Pentagon said about supplying more shells for HIMARS, missiles for air defense system Hawk. Spaniards are giving us three systems and Americans are giving us a thousand missiles for them. Avenger is basically a self-propelled stinger. That's a good tool for offensive maneuvers for covering them from aviation. And if uh, if it includes the ones uh, that have the same base as HIMARS, the same wheelbase, that'll be fantastic. We're also getting 500 uh, high-precision shells, Excalibur type, a lot of ammo for mortars. This is one of the main weapons for infantry. They use a lot of these to solve their tasks on the field. 100 Humvees, 400 propelled gran uh, grenade systems, and yeah, Spanish are sending us, Spain is sending us three or four systems, and also Britain is supporting us with some ammo for Hawk. So look at that, this is armor for uh, offensive maneuvers and uh, additional cover for air protection so that we would, able, we would be able to advance, to protect us from air, and to reach them with long-range means. And uh, perhaps be a little better than artillery, because artillery is a little slower in reacting to rapid moves, tactical moves on the front. This one is a little smaller in terms of quantities, but it is an interesting assortment, which we do like, so it's wonderful. I am very curious. I am very curious to see if they do have those long-range HIMARS missile. Because if they do, if they were supplied, we can start... Uh, I would almost uh, be ready to go and make a dancing round here, because this would be a game-changer on a lot of parts of that front. We'll see, we'll see, because some evil tongues are saying Biden may have misspoken. Well, yeah, Mark, but uh, Biden is old and he doesn't control what you say. Uh, that's an interesting position. Uh, some people peddle at the same time. You know, if you play further, he's old and he may just give these things. So, okay, let's discuss one more thing. They surface 
they have more and more videos surfacing from the Ukrainian border. Where wives are telling horrible stories that their husbands are in some horrific conditions. Somewhere in Kharkov direction, I guess, Slatova and that area, that they are left there without officers, without supplies. And one of the videos, we're not showing everything, we, we cannot, there is a ton. So there are some videos where they scream that out of 200, there are only 30 left because they do communicate with their husbands. And more and more of that information starts to leak, starts to become public knowledge, starts to appear in the social media on the Russian side. Do you think this uh, deserves a specific evaluation? Can we say that the quantity is converting to quality? Not fully, Mark, not fully yet, but it's aggregating and it probably will take another attention, two to three months to get to break that barrier when it will completely exceed attention to another to other matters because it, it accumulates its problems, its lack of payments, its lack of uh, supplies. And I think at some point uh, Russian women may actually speak out. Because the worst, one of the worst revolts you can have on your hands is when women protest. I do wish Putin has this problem eventually. Okay, many people are asking the question, trying to find answer. Can one say about us? Uh, is there a guesstimation for killed or captured among the mobilized troops? It's difficult to estimate, Mark. The last number I can I saw that I can use would probably be about a hundred of them per day that are dying, about a hundred people per day. And I know people in Ukraine uh, very often are more harsh uh, about that topic, but I understand the families of mobilized who didn't figure a way to evade that. I regret they're here, but yeah, that's what's happening. Also, also, let's continue. Uh, one more thing about supplies. Even uh, Holland gave us uh, 100 million dollars or euros for defense. So it's a good day. We got a lot of support, a lot of goodies from our allies. Vladimir Zelensky is saying that Ukraine army is on par with the level of other armies of NATO countries. And he is stating that we are looking to join the alliance. I think we showed the world that we are at least on the same level that NATO countries. And I think it would be honest if we were included in the same alliance and the same safety circle. If that way will take us longer, then on this way we do need the guarantees of security. Because everybody is talking that the doors to NATO are open, but we need to reach these doors. That's what he said in his interview to CNN. Do you think latest events, they are helping? And how much are they helping Ukraine to approach these doors to NATO? I remember at the beginning of uh, Kherson operation in August, me and some colleagues were discussing that 
success in Kherson region may actually approach the NATO decision, may bring it closer. It could be a reason to revive that topic again. Mark, no, we are not going to be accepted to NATO till the end of the war. They will be helping us because we're de facto member of NATO, but officially I don't think we'll get there. As for, uh, at least now, uh, uh, as for Zelensky's statement, obviously, yes, we are stronger than many of the NATO countries. We are on par with, you know, Turkish, British, French. Th these, the, these are probably the strongest armies. Everybody else probably a bit weaker than ours. Poland is going to increase their uh, military system, their capabilities, so we'll be somewhat equal to them as well. And we'll not be beggars in this circle, we will be very equal partners. And presence of our, and training of our officers, uh, and presence of our officers with experience in NATO countries will actually provide experience back to NATO countries how to fight in certain conditions of modern war. We have that unique experience here. So, in, in essence, we're not participants of NATO security system. We're actually donors of uh, extra security to NATO and Europe and in the world. And we, will, we are becoming one of the main donors in security in the world by simple feat of defeating Putin's army, which is the biggest threat on this theater. All right, we have been for 32 minutes live, 437,000 watching us, over 110, click the like button. See, now they are watching us. I think they changed their schedules, their routines, and now they're watching us at a good time, at a proper time, how we go out. I don't know, I'm still on the fence about that, but um, yeah, still uh, my usual ask, please continue sharing links. Those who maybe are sleeping, who have not subscribed, who do not get notifications. And please click the subscribe button. Subscribe to Fagin Live, we're at 1.95. And they also have about a million point sixty-eight or something, so people are subscribing. See, yeah, I told you, people are subscribing. So subscribe to Alexei as well, because I do repeat that 38% uh, are viewing us without any subscription. Some people ideologically refuse to subscribe, others just forget that. And again, if you are watching that or listening to that in English, subscribe to the Privateer Station. We are trying to get to 20,000 subscribers, much more modest number, but that is important. That is important to change the opinion on this war in uh, the English-speaking world, especially among those who are relying on uh, certain niche uh, resources or TV or some standard uh, mainstream media. So we do have a stream tomorrow, right? Yeah, we do. Our stream tomorrow will happen at 10 p.m., the usual time. We'll have more news. And for today, at 34 minutes, we'll conclude and give Alexei some respite.
and we'll pick it up tomorrow again. Thank you, Alexei Aristovich, for participating in that stream, and we'll wait you here tomorrow. Goodbye.